There will be no weekly update next week. Again, Shabbos Nachum will be no weekly update next week. Next Friday, we're doing the show with the NCSY summer programs in Beit Meir in Israel. So there will be no weekly update next week. Malcolm Holmline will have a week of vacation for Erev Shabbos Nachamu. And after all, if you have a day off, don't you want it to be Erev Shabbos Nachamu? Of course. So I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com. Check out hundreds, if not thousands, of articles before Shabbos on Israel and the Jewish world and uh, see what they're covering. They've got it all. And, of course, again, our, our friends at OnlySimchas.com, utilizing a whole bunch of our content for an amazing and incredible news feed that they have that features a whole bunch of interesting and great news from around the Jewish world, OnlySimchas.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning, Malcolm, and everyone. Well, it's Erev Tishabov, and uh, sometimes it feels like it's Erev Tishabov because you know that the efforts should be should be for unity, should be for uh, an attempt to be as uh, as gracious as possible to all of our brothers and sisters. And for some reason, it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, Malcolm, I am I am concerned about the. Um, the segment of our community worldwide, but especially in the United States and Israel, uh, that takes to the streets or makes uh, public um, prayer services or openly demonstrates uh, when it comes to um, uh, to laws and news items regarding the uh, army of the state of Israel. And I just wish that some of these things would either be done more privately or with more common sense. Uh, I can't imagine, especially this time of year, that in any way uh, has any type of positive effect. Your feelings? Well, we've discussed it in the past that uh, my, about my concern about the, these activities. You can have differences uh, over rules that Israel adopts, and it, and it doesn't just amount to this issue. We've seen it this week with the reaction to the uh, nation-state uh, law to other issues that um, uh, arose. And when we think about why we're in this situation, why we lost the base of Mikdash because of Sinat Chinam, because of baseless hatred, because of the relationships between people, after the first one, it was because of various sins that people committed, uh, but it could be rectified with the set by the time the second base of Mikdash. We couldn't have a third because it's a collective responsibility to fight against sinat chinam, against the, uh, the hatred against one another uh, in whatever form. And you, people have a right to, to make differences known in democracies, in, uh, within communities. But the question is, I think you rightly point out, is how you go about doing it and, how, uh, and thinking about the consequences of, of your action. And sometimes to question yourself about the motivation What's the real reason? What is the issue? Is it a diversion? Is it a, you know, a, a tactic? Is it something that has a really greater uh, implication than the initial act? And one other thing, uh, with that in mind, uh, one of our listeners points out, and I think rightfully so, the nerve of the people who you're just speaking about, who are, uh, you know, wherever they may be, Israel, the United States, who liken this, this meaning the, the, um, uh, the laws of the state of Israel vis-a-vis the draft, who likened this to the churban of the first bayit, 
the, that the hand of Bavel attacking the Jewish kingdom is equal to what is going on now in the state of Israel. And, and I mean, you, 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 you are one person who's always outspoken about using, uh, you know, dramatic uh, expressions, Nazi, etc. Uh, how, how it cheapens the term and how it's only a disservice to our people. This is a tremendous chutzpah to compare this to the destruction of the first temple. It is uh, it is inappropriate. It demeans the seriousness of the uh, of our historic uh, occurrences and and also misguides people when you when you do it. And I think really the it's the responsibility of the leaders and the followers to think about the consequences of their words. That's why wise people are instructed to be very careful with what you say and what you do. And in this age when you, you see the people who line up against Israel, the accusations against Israel. And yet the remarkable thing is while Khamenei talks about the Zionist regime will be eradicated and um, the, the same time you have the uh, front-page stories in Saudi newspapers extolling um, Israel and talking about the need to advance peace and, to, and talked about even the concessions on their parts to advance peace with Israel and the collective interest requires rapprochement, understanding with Israel, and that the Arab state should be more pragmatic. And we've seen these from Saudi intellectuals, journalists, commentators. I'm not saying this is the panacea, and it's not yet reflected in the polls amongst the people, but it's certainly an incredible process. And the PA attacked them uh, because of a, of a film that they produced, a documentary that ran in Al Arabiya, which is... Um, Saudi-owned uh, major media, like uh, Al Jazeera's equivalent, and it's called the Nakba, which is, of course, the, the disaster, the word they use for the creation of the anniversary creation of the State of Israel, and it depicts the lead-up to the creation of Israel, and it has uh, pictures from the Holocaust and the pre-state uh, Jewish population, and then says that following the Holocaust, Israel was born, and the dream became reality. That's the exact quote. And uh, Arab neighboring armies invaded Palestine. I think it's a it's a remarkable thing that that sometimes we don't appreciate and have to look to places like that to get to be reminded and to be inspired and to appreciate what they have come to learn and what they have come to understand the importance of Israel, what it means, the history of the Jews in the region, and our connection to it. And uh, Tisha B'Av is perhaps the best time for us to think about that. Interesting. You'd hope that uh, most Jews around the world would uh, would discover that. Well, I think most Jews do. I still think we're talking about minorities, and um, uh, but I think it's, well, it's uh, minorities it's really that make a lot of noise. Then. When you see the dichotomy uh, of reactions to um, and the. You know, we know that what's happening on the BDS, we know the rise of anti-Semitism, it's continuing. Uh, but some, uh, you know, remarkable developments. The, the study that came out, it's now revealed that the State Department during the previous administration did a study that shows there were 20,000 actual Palestinian refugees. And it has not been released, and there's now members of Congress who are demanding the release. You have UNRWA saying there are five point. One million, I wow. think, what Palestinians. Huh? The Palestinians claim nine million, thirteen million, wow. and here you have them saying of the seven hundred thousand, uh, you know, Arab refugees or residents at the time of uh, who are there are only twenty thousand who are still alive and are displaced from their homes. So 
it, you know, we see the lies being answered. We see the distortions, some of them being at least rectified, I mean, they're clarified by uh, of things that we knew all along. But the, um, uh, I would only hope that our own community would start to think about and how, how many people are, are thinking of all of those who have lost their livelihoods in the South because of these fires, of yep. the devastation to... 8,000 acres and almost 2,000 acres of farmland, of the, the natural forests, the forests and nature reserves, of all the other things that, uh, of, a, of a firebomb, these uh, balloons landing in a kindergarten, and what, what it could have been, what the outcome could have been when, and thank God that, well, that wasn't the case there. Yeah, we'll talk about the South more in a couple of minutes. I just, I, let me, let me since it is Erev Tishavov, just a couple more things on the social aspects. First of all, I saw your statement regarding the rabbi in Haifa, who was arrested and detained. It sounds like from the tone of your statement, you're simply asking, as the Attorney General did with the release, you're simply asking people to step back and calm down a bit. There's got to be a better way to handle this than by starting to arrest people and by starting to, you know, to really, you know, stoke the flames of these types of issues. Uh, am I right that you're simply asking for, for a comment? Right. It, was, it was a comment about the process to go five in the morning and, and again, create another issue that becomes a flashpoint. Right. If you have a legal process, do it normally. You know, do it in, if you have a charge against somebody, anybody, um, do it in the right way. But, you know, it can often be just a personal peak or somebody, it, it is a local issue, very local, not a federal government decision in Israel to go and arrest this guy, and and yet it becomes now again another issue and a slander against the, the whole state and against the, everyone. And um, and again, it's inappropriate to go at five o'clock in the morning rouse a guy who's been doing this for, for many years. It could be against the law. It could be wrong. Do it in in the right way, and that clearly wasn't. All right. Uh, you mentioned the nation-state law that passed. I, I, I know it, it can be cumbersome for you and the listeners to hear me read, uh, especially you know at length. But let me. I think it's important that I just go through the basics of this and just and just tell me if in fact the controversy is really you know legitimate or not. Uh, the nation-state of the uh, Jewish people, Israel. The, the basic law is that Israel is a nation-state of the Jewish people. State of Israel is the historic homeland of the Jewish people. Uh, the uh, national symbols include the uh, the name, which is Israel, the flag, white with two blue stripes near the edges, the symbols, the menorah, the national anthem, Satikva, the unified and complete city of Jerusalem is the capital, the language of the state of Israel is Hebrew, the Arabic language has a special status in the state, the regulation of the Arab language in state institutions or when facing them will be regulated by law, the state's open to Jewish immigration and to the gathering of the exile. The state will labor to ensure the safety of sons of the Jewish people and the citizens around the world who are in trouble. Will act to preserve the cultural, historical, and religious legacy of the Jewish people in the diaspora. The state views Jewish settlement as a national value and labor to encourage and promote its establishment and development. The Hebrew calendar is the official calendar of the state, along with the secular calendar serving as, the, as an official calendar. National holidays include Independence Day, Memorial Day for those who fell, uh, Memorial Day for the Holocaust. Uh, and Saturday and Jewish holidays are the official days of rest in the state. Uh, the basic law may not be altered except by basic law that gained the approval of the majority of the Knesset members. Now, I get, you know, that some of these things in here are in fact controversial based on the way things are today. But, but isn't it great? Isn't it great that this law reminds Jewish people 
to an extent, non-Jews around the world as well, reminds Jewish people what the basic tenet is of why we have a state, why we have a political entity that is called the state of Israel. I think every one of these is is vital and key to reminding everybody why it's so important. Okay. Do you think the controversy? <laughs> do you think the controversy is warranted? I know it talks about you know the expansion and settlement being important to the state, and I know it talks about Arabic being not at the same level of uh, of Hebrew. But but after all, is this any different than seventy years ago with the intention of what the state would be? Well, so so there are people who argue that this should have been part of the adopted seventy years ago, and the the national law. And if you, I think people should read the Netanyahu's. Uh, explanation of the bill and and uh, which was adopted, and there are those who believe that this is really just a parting shot for this Knesset session, uh, but uh, is also the beginning of the campaign that will be announced for elections right when they reconvene. As you know, they go out of session now until after Sukkot, so the Knesset is is gone. And um, they wanted to get this thing enacted. There was a very controversial part, which was seen as discriminatory and saying about the separate communities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was dropped. Uh, there were other modifications, some modifications to language. But you know, one of the issues was whether it says Israel's activities in the diaspora or which is wherever they are. Uh, some people feel it's simply linguistics uh, and semantics, rather, and, and others feel that it has some substantive uh, implication. Uh, you know, it's very, um, it's very Talmudic, the interpretations that are given to, to some of the content. I understand the concerns that are being raised. Uh, they, the... Um, uh, Bill was hotly debated until way past midnight on on at least one night, maybe two nights, and this was uh, this version was uh, finally adopted. the The thing about settlements is that it is really talking about community building, mm-hmm. not settlements. And I think it's a mistake that nowhere in a document do they say the word democratic. You know, just the use of the word would have blunted that kind of uh, criticism. To give people at least the, the sense and the and of course the commitment to a democratic state remains, but they didn't. The fact that they didn't use these, these terms and that the opposition, of course, is is rising against the government on it. And it was a very close vote. I think seven seven vote difference uh, on it. Um, well, I will say the following: timing is everything. I think this is the perfect week of the year for this to remind the Jewish people how vital the Jewish state is to our people. And I think uh, all the different points in it are, you know, each one of them uh, helps us remember just how important the state is. In, in this in this week when we remember destruction and what the Jewish people went through for thousands of years, I think it's important to uh, that, that, that this reminds us what we have and how important it is in going forward uh, for the future of the Jewish people. And uh, part of the problem is that this kind of measure obscures so many important developments uh, that that are going on when you look at the situation in the north, when we, you know, look at Israel, it's going to spend $5 billion to fortify its borders in the north and in the south, and the, the continuing, not only the fires and the missiles that are fired at uh, Israel that need to build uh, bunkers again and to reinforce uh, some of the existing bomb shelters and the, you know, things that we thought were relegated to the past and how Israel still faces very serious challenges and serious issues. And we shouldn't let whatever differences emerge over this or any other issue 
to divide us and to to detract the attention from the from the real fundamentals. When you see the Khamenei says we're going to eradicate Israel, and when you see that they announce that the, their uranium stockpiles reached, I think, over 900 tons, uh, they had 500 in 1915, in 2015, and now they're already up to 900, 950. That. Uh, the uh, the threats that that continue against Israel that these things tend to to diminish the attention and become the, the flashpoints. In the meantime, um, you, the Iranian militias are, are integrating with the Syrian forces. They're posing a greater threat to Israel's northern border. The the, uh, the longer term implications we have to see. I think that hopefully that the president's meetings with uh, President uh, Putin did yield uh, some sort of an agreement, and certainly the messages that came out seem to be positive on this in regard to Israel, even if not much else has been really uh, concretized in the reports. At least we don't know because it was a you know one-on-one meeting. But the, that on this issue, and it seems Netanyahu reacted uh, positively, that they uh, committed in, in removing the Iranians and the Iranian militia and the RGC, who again are integrated with the Syrian forces, which Israel said could come closer. And they're talking about the Syrian forces getting to Kenetra, you know, getting within miles of, of Israel. Uh, the separation agreement in 1974, which people should go back and look at, because that is becoming more and more the basis for any future understanding and dealing with the threat in the north, which is great, you know, to talk about Israel having to say that it's okay to have the Syrian army there. It already tells you, you know, the um, uh, the, the seriousness of the situation. But getting the Iran military presence out, at least for now, and that the Russians have spoken about the long-term need to get all of the Iranian presence out. It's not going to happen uh, right now. But thinking of the arsenal of rockets, of 120,000 rockets in Lebanon, you talk about the increased capabilities uh, by being along Israel's uh, border in Syria and Jordan, which is also threatened by it. The... um, uh, the, the significance of, of uh, the situation in the north and the need for concerted action, and most of all for the message that comes out, the fact that America, that Bolton spoke about America staying in, in Syria, is very important. It's a message to the Arab countries. It's a message to others who are involved. And most of all, it's got to be a message to the people in Syria, to the forces in Syria, both the government and non-governmental, that we are not going to put up with it. We're going to be there. We're doing a good job, I think, with the sanctions on on Iran. We're seeing the changes um, that are taking place, that the businesses there are reporting that they don't have uh, the material and they're being impacted. The uh, real has fallen to half its value over this year which is a pretty good indication of uh, of how serious things are. And yet they announced that they're building a centrifuge rotor machine company, which helps in the nuclear program. To, you need centrifuges, and this is an advancement towards that. Uh, a country that is facing such serious challenges, able to continue to expend the money, despite the fact that people of Iran are opposed to it. They don't want to see this adventurism. They don't want to support Hamas. They don't want to support Hezbollah. They say it. You have wildfires, the drought, many other things uh, really devastating the country and its economy in a, in a downspin, thanks to the sanctions and new sanctions that are coming in uh, in a couple of weeks from uh, from the administration 
uh, are really impactful. And this is a time when we have to show that we're engaged in the region. We're going to continue to be engaged. We're going to um, do whatever is necessary to assure that we don't create a circumstance or leave a circumstance in Syria that will be more threatening to Israel, to Jordan, and to the region. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Let me go back to uh, some of the things you mentioned uh, during that list of, uh, of, of answers to the questions I haven't yet asked. Um, the on on the uh, Israel being a subject of the Putin Trump discussions this week. So you did mention it was a one on one. Of course, we don't know exactly what was discussed. Netanyahu did express satisfaction with whatever you know report came out of there. Do, do we know anything other than uh, a Putin agreeing with Trump that the security and safety of Israel is vital? Uh, that is one of the few things that seems to be apparent, and, and uh, President Trump commented on it and said, in fact, that he's, that Putin is uh, friendly to Bibi. I think he even used the word fan, uh, and that he is committed to Israel, and something certainly President Trump uh, has shown that he's committed uh, to security of Israel. And if they uh, agreed, on, at least on that, about the way they have to deal uh, with the threat, in the north, and that's why I stress it because this is really a serious uh, issue. People tend to look at it as an internal battle in, in Syria, when in fact its implications are, are much broader. And as I've talked about before, Russia's commitment in Syria is minimal. They have a you know a couple dozen planes. They they still do the bombing runs for the Syrian army, and we saw it in Dara and other areas. But the uh, their real capacity on the ground is limited when you're talking about tens of thousands of Shiite militia and others working in the region, in, in this border region, uh, that poses a, a really direct threat to Jordan and Israel in the, in the near term, not only, you know, in some distant time. So the the comments that they've made in that regard, I think, were, were uh, good, and the president saying they came to a good conclusion for Israel is uh, is hopeful for for everyone who who is looking and parsing whatever little bits of information have come out. The the fact that people can talk in confidence, I don't think, is a bad thing. I think that sometimes right. it's it's beneficial. But you know, of course, everybody wants to know because the the, the consequences of it of of what happens between them uh, affect everyone and and very greatly. And I know I'm being very philosophical in this era of Tishaba, but I, I, I still marvel at the fact that Israel <laughs> maintains its status as one of the top agenda items when a, when Putin and Trump get together. Uh, sometimes you have to sit back and just realize, again, the the uh, stature of Israel in the world today, unprecedented, certainly, if you look at the history of the last 2,000 years. Going down south for a second, you mentioned what's happening there, and, of course, the fires continue but we also saw that hundreds of rockets came this week um uh, over the border uh we know that there was talk of a ceasefire would love to know if that at all uh went into effect and uh, is israel in fact being forced into war as many uh, as many members of the israeli knesset are insisting they are it, there seems to be um, a downward spiral. I don't think it's a, a ceasefire. It's a sneeze fire. It's because it's about the length of one sneeze and year it's over. <laughs> and and, uh, 
and we know that Hamas is, can't be relied on, and no matter what they do, the, as soon as it's advantageous, when they feel the pressure more, they go for it. And as you know, in the South, uh, other measures have taken place. Israel has closed the Karen Shalom crossing. Right. Egypt closed the Rafah crossing, which means essentially they have no way to get goods in and out. During the time that it was open, the Egyptians opened Rafah, 18,000 Palestinians, including 150 doctors and leaders and others, left because they, they want to get out of there. They, the Hamas is, you know, destroying it and uh, doing nothing for the people. And they, it was essential that Israel stop the flow of fuel to, to Gaza, as long as they're going to use this fuel to send over hundreds and hundreds of balloons that, that are doing such extensive damage and threats, and as, soon, as long as rockets are, are being fired, uh, essential medicines and foods do get through. But this is really Abbas's uh, 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 boycott and limit, not, not uh, Israel's. It's Abbas who is, uh, wants to see the economic condition. They don't want to see Hamas rewarded. There's talk of, of Egypt uh, having put forward this proposal, and maybe Hamas accepted it or didn't accept it. It's very hard to know, because in any two five-minute periods, the, the situation can be dramatically different in terms of the messages. Uh, but the conditions inside Gaza are indeed bad. Nobody wants to see it collapse, because that you know they could shift the onus to Israel and say, you're, you're, it's your responsibility or the uh, and Egypt can't assume the responsibility won't for for uh, Gaza itself. You have two million people there, and it's it, it is not Israel that is fault. Israel was sending in hundreds and hundreds of trucks every day uh, of goods and and the material, and it, as was was true with the cement that they they allowed it to go in and they used it for tunnels and the, there was supposed to be then in, there was an international agreement that they would monitor all the cement and in fact we know that they continued to divert it as they built uh, the tunnels as they were diverting the fuel that was supposed to go to the generators for electricity so you have only intermittent electricity and now you have even less and i think that the um uh, so so hamas may agree under pressure under pressure of events to some sort of uh, temporary ceasefire, but their existence rests upon the fact that they're at war for the destruction of Israel. And without that, they have no real raison d'etre. And the, if, in fact, there are unity talks in the off, I, I don't see it. I don't think Abbas is ready to commit to this or anything else. He doesn't even talk to the Americans, uh, offering them the opportunity to, to discuss uh, the possible peace initiative uh, but the the um, uh, the essential thing is that that people understand, and the, the onus will of course be placed on Israel, and they'll start condemning them for uh, closing the border. They should know the circumstances and what the limitations are. And that it's first and foremost the PA itself that is doing. But I always think, and you know, armchair general, I, I always think it's really up to Israel if if they feel that the only way to quell all of this and to stop its progress is by going to war and doing what they did in 2014, then they'll make that decision and they'll go ahead. It sounds like the way you're describing it, that, that if in fact I'm right, that it's Israel's decision to make, it sounds like they're not close to deciding yes on that. Look, a war is, is very complicated in Gaza. If you're talking about ground invasions right. and loss of life for Israeli troops, and civilians who could get caught in the fire, crossfires. You know, the Hamas uses them as as the civilian shields. And the uh, and it's very hard to go after the balloons. You have to go after the source. So they did take out 
a, a unit. They did bomb a unit where the um, from which we believe the orders for for the uh, balloons were were coming from. But they responded with 200 missiles were fired last weekend to against Israel in one day on, on uh, I think on Friday, uh, and uh, in less than 24 hours, uh, 200 rockets and mortars on the communities in the south. And they have to spend their whole day running in and out of uh, bomb shelters. We know that some of them uh, uh, do a lot of damage. Not to escalate it and to try and target the responses. If you can do 42 bombing raids in response and you have almost no civilian casualties, they claimed uh, two this time, uh, 50 raids before with no civilian casualties. And the um, so Israel is clearly acting with terrific restraint and not trying to escalate the situation, but can't allow this to continue. Remember all the promises when Israel withdrew from Gaza, from the United States and everyone else. You cross, you go back to the border, you go back, we can do whatever you need to to protect your border. You'll be able to strike back. You'll be able to, to take whatever defensive measures are necessary. Well, we know that, that uh, you see how much the international community is ready to, to stand up for Israel, and they can vote 120 to 8 in the U.N., um, and despite the amazing work of Nikki Haley, uh, to, to condemn uh, Israel. So this is, there are certain things that uh, don't change, and Tishbub reminds us of that, but the, the, um, it's, it's, it's not easy for Israel to have to decide to go in on the ground. It's much better an aerial war where they can do what they have to do and take out as many targets as they need to, but the infrastructure for balloons is simply very hard. It's not like a a rocket launcher which you can target and just take out. Unbelievable. Uh, I I know that this was the anniversary of the month of July of the AMIA bombing in Argentina. I didn't realize they do a, a memorial in Israel as well, not just in Argentina. They do every year because of a lot of families. And the, don't forget also the Israeli uh, embassy was attacked and um, people were killed there as well. So there is a, a, an annual commemoration, but there are developments. There are important developments. I met with the leaders of the Argentinian Jewish community uh, just re- the past week. And uh, there are important um steps and progress on the Nisman investigation of the, the prosecutor, the Jewish prosecutor, and they said committed suicide, but we believe, and I think more and more people have come to the conclusion that he was murdered because he was bad day to testify about the government, the president, and others' involvement. So we're, we're seeing more uh, actions regard with uh, the, the Argentinian government asked Russia to hold Valiati, the Iranian official, who's one of those named as a, as a conspirator in this, and uh, the, one of the people who orchestrated it. They obviously didn't hold him, but they are still under the uh, red cards of, the, of Interpol, meaning they're designated people uh, who are to be, uh, to be apprehended. But the, the government, the current government, seems to have made additional commitments. You have a prosecutor who is um, active on this, and we're seeing... Um, the the overall situation in South America today is is really very interesting. Uh, Venezuela. Look at the statistics of how many people have gone from uh, Venezuela to um, uh, Argentina, Colombia, Ecuador. Uh, uh, about uh, it's several million refugees, m- m- maybe more than a million and a half, uh, but uh, and about four million 
Venezuelans have left the country wow. over recent years. And the um, and Argentina is at least moving in the right direction, despite the fact that you see Bolivia, Ecuador, uh, Nicaragua, others moving in the wrong direction, of course, Cuba as well, and the state destabilizing efforts of Iran in the region, and that was part of of uh, these attacks against the uh, in Argentina. We know that the Iranians were directly involved. It's more and more evidence of it, and hopefully, these pro- the prosecutions and the um, information that will come out. Much of it was destroyed when the police went into his into his uh, house after the uh, after it was found that he was killed. We still don't know why his twelve. Uh, bodyguards were in the basement, nobody up with him or, or monitoring it, and that he had asked for a gun that day for protection. So now some are trying to speculate that it was a suicide. Uh, we don't believe that there is any evidence that really will substantiate that charge. Unbelievable. But I will tell you that at the administration's position, when America takes a strong stand, it affects what countries like Argentina will do in regard to an investig- this ongoing investigation and and um, taking more, having more courage to stand up to Iran. Oh, that I believe. All right, a couple of quick things. Uh, number one, it's obvious that uh, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez uh, is more ignorant on many issues than people originally thought. Agreed? She certainly admits to it, and but the problem is she's being lionized. She's campaigning around the country. She is... Um, Without people knowing, she's become a symbol, and so to speak, elected with a, a small percentage of the actual voters turning out. And if anything uh, warns us of something you and I have discussed for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, trying to get people to register to vote, to understand that every vote counts and how a few votes can make all the difference. Now you see it in the most blatant fashion where I think 10% of the people voted but she is becoming a symbol, and while she backed off and said that she doesn't know much about the Middle East when she was questioned in depth, the fact is that she still says she identifies with the Palestinians, and she you can have sympathy for the Palestinians. A big difference between that and the kind of positions and, and not having information, it should be a reason not to make comments on it. Yeah, no question about that. And what do you think of the Zuckerberg thing, uh, the question about keeping a post that deny the Holocaust within his realm of social media? Obviously, I disagree with it. I think that this is one of those uh, things that, that uh, like incitement to violence, et cetera, that should not be permitted. There are laws in European countries and elsewhere. We don't have them here in the United States on uh, group libel. But I think as a, as a corporate decision, it should be made that they will not allow uh, to have it. And, and I don't think that many other issues of a, of a similar, well, they're not as, as serious uh, as what happened in the Holocaust, but in, in racial issues or discriminatory things or uh, viol- uh, incitement to violence against other groups, they would tolerate it. Right, that's so true. we have to be very vocal and make sure they understand this is not acceptable. Yeah. That's the real That's the real free speech. That's the real argument against the free speech argument, that you have to, just not, you have to make an even playing field, and you know what would happen if it was against any other group. So, and, yeah. and it's not just what you... It just on itself, in, in its own terms, the fact that you, that you continue to allow people to engage in Holocaust denial, which is outlawed in many countries... 
and certainly restricted and the, uh, should, should not be allowed because it's a defamation of the people. It's a, de- it's a disgrace to those who were martyred in it. It's like denying that World War II happened. Right. Wouldn't right. allow it, right. and it shouldn't be allowed. Uh, all right, Malcolm, an easy, uh, wonderful Shabbos, easy fast. Next week we're off because of Nachamu, etc. And hopefully two weeks from today we will reconvene. No, we'll have to say because I will be traveling, but God willing, we will get together soon again. Bezrat Hashem, thank you very much. That's, uh, Malcolm is making a good point. In August, he's always uh, back and forth here and there. <laughs> so we will announce uh, once it's uh, w- once he and I know the exact schedule and whether he's coming up on a Friday. Uh, we will certainly alert the audience ASAP. Next week, as we said, uh, we're off with the uh, Erev Shabbos Nachamu show being done from Beit Meir with the NCSY summer programs. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the uh, weekly update here on Friday mornings at JM in the AM.